0: Welcome to Breaker Culture Weekly. The guys from BreakerCulture.com help pull back the curtains and give you insight into the hobby. Sit back and enjoy interviews, product breakdowns, and hobby analysis so you can get your edge in the marketplace. And now, to the show.
1: What is going on, guys? This is episode 57 of Breaker Culture Weekly. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you for joining. Uh, we really do appreciate you guys as listeners and all your support. We've gotten a ton of feedback the last couple of weeks. Maybe it's just the growing interest in the sports card world, or maybe it's just uh, Breaker Culture kind of getting to a wider audience. But you guys have been really, really helpful with providing some direction on what you guys really like, what you guys and gals really like. So thank you for that. Uh, I really do appreciate it. Um, but today I get the chance to speak with Ivan Lovegrin. Some of you may know him, uh, from GoGTs live or watch the breaks, uh, on Twitter. Ivan's an awesome dude. Uh, I've always respected him and, uh, his viewpoints on things in the hobby. Um, uh, he's had his fingerprints, um, really on a lot of different things. And I, I just love his creativity and his, uh, his kind of his tendencies to really stir things up in a good way, and so I think you you get a good perspective on that in the conversation with Ivan today. We went into this conversation thinking, you know what, let's try to keep this to thirty minutes or less because we both had really crazy days today. But uh, it ended up going an hour and fifteen minutes, and I probably should divide this into two podcasts, but that's no fun. I'd rather get all the content out to you right now, and so that's what I did. Uh, hour and 15 minutes of goodness from Ivan uh, mostly and just me asking questions from him. I, the first 30 minutes or so, you're gonna get a lot of good nuggets of wisdom around really his background and um, his viewpoint into why cards are speculative. And you know, I'll just say this. There's a comment in there where he talks about chickens being a better investment than gold. And therefore, chickens being a better investment than sports cards. And I'll let him clarify that. So listen for that. But very good perspective. And I think it's a good reminder for a lot of us. Um, and then the second half of the conversation is really what I, I was most interested in talking to him about. And that was his experience with social media and the lessons learned and the lessons that you can learn as hobbyist, as group break owners, as, as entrepreneurs, as capitalists, how can you use social media the right way? And specifically, what does Ivan learn when it comes to using Twitter and using it to further his you know, his brand, as Gary Vee would say, uh, using it to further the Ivan brand, and then also just using it to further conversation within the hobby. So really, really good perspective when it comes to that. And uh, if you are struggling with kind of how to better use Twitter, how to grow your audience, and how to get better engaged – Definitely listen to that. I, I took away a lot of good stuff from the conversation and uh, I'm looking forward to, to kind of rearranging my thoughts a bit when it comes to Twitter. But overall, check out Ivan. Go check out Go GTS on Thursday night. That's tomorrow for some more updated NFL rookie premiere stuff, um, which is really pretty cool content if you haven't checked that out. But other than that, enjoy the conversation with Ivan. One more thing. I've been putting some stuff out on Twitter about uh, – following us on YouTube, subscribing to our channel. We got really good feedback on our, which is surprising to me. It really is surprising to me. We got good feedback on the Rookie Pricing Ladder podcast that I put out kind of spur of the moment. A lot of people sending me messages telling me that it was really helpful. And so I thought, you know what, why not just do this weekly and do it on YouTube and walk you through uh, the pricing ladders as I release them and kind of tell you what I'm thinking and what I'm seeing and help uh, tell a story with the data as Steven Judd would say, cardboard lifer. Um, So I'm doing that once a week. Just did it this past weekend for the recent 2019 Bowman release. I'll keep them short, 10 to 15 minutes, and give you a good perspective, hopefully. Some things to walk away with. But uh, check out that content. Go find us on Breaker Culture, Breaker Culture Weekly. You just go to YouTube, type in Breaker Culture, all one word, and you'll find us on there. And you uh, you can see some of those pricing ladders. But other than that, guys... Thank you for listening, and enjoy the show. Ivan, how you doing,
0: man? Uh, hey, Ty. I'm doing great. How are you?
1: Good. You, uh, you just showed me your view. No one else can see this, but your view is spectacular. I'm jealous.
0: Yeah. If you hear any clanking, it's because I'm drinking coffee and a mug on a beautiful glass table on the fifty first story of the building in downtown LA. Uh All right. home away from home right now. So yeah. So if I'm I'm extra relaxed today, you know, you may know me from Go GTS Live, the Bobby's web show I'm Required by Contract to set. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no I'm relaxed today. No cool. need to hype. No need to go crazy. That's right. What? Unless you press one of those buttons, Ty. I'm going to don't worry
1: Uh I've already prepped you for some buttons I'm going to press It's going to be good but hey let me first Say I I really appreciate you Agreeing to come on Today on the release of Yu-Gi-Oh's Dark Neo Storm Really I know that's important to you
0: Oh man it's the next Mega Mojo
1: (laughs) (laughs) I was looking at releases for This week and that's the person that popped up and it just blows my mind that that stuff's still relevant, but, uh, dude, great, great job on the NFL rookie media coverage. Really, really good job. I thought it was awesome.
0: Thank you. Yeah. Uh, we've actually got some more content coming out Thursday night. Okay. Quick plug. Uh, if you can't watch live Thursday or if this doesn't come out until after Thursday, check out go GTS live on YouTube. Uh, cause we're gonna post the videos up there later, but it's a really cool event panini brings together along with the nflpa 40 of the top rookies Mm -hmm. expected from this class and thankfully through panini and gts distribution there's two different events that fans uh mainly collectors sorry i should say they call it the fan zone but it's all collectors get to attend and actually interact with the rookies so
2: awesome
1: Yeah. Sweet. Well, you, I was watching your last go GTS and Rob made a comment about the people he was impressed with and he, and he mentioned Drew Locke and you kind of rolled your eyes a little bit. And I don't know if that was intentional, but if it was, I need to know why I need to know why I'm a Mizzou guy, by the way.
0: (laughs) First off, uh, thank you for watching all the way through the show. I appreciate it. I don't know. He did not, he did not impress me as much as he impressed some others. But I'm also weird when it comes to my quarterbacks. Uh, he, he was a little jokey, a little goofy, um, and he's very string beanie. Uh, the last quarterback I saw in person who was that string beanie who was also a Broncos quarterback, Paxton Lynch. Uh, however, I've never seen a quarterback that goofy. And maybe I just buy in too much to the Tom Brady demeanor.
2: Mm. Um,
0: But I really feel like the quarterback, it actually comes in play in my, my day job as well. And any of you that are out there in sales too, like if you celebrate the victories too much, I know we like our players to be passionate, but if you celebrate the victories too much, that also means that the defeats will kill you. And psychologically, we know that defeat hurts twice as much as victory feels good. So, I like my QBs a little more even keeled. I like them uh, close to the vest, and so, so those two things. That said, I definitely can't criticize the guy. He was fun. He was vocal. He was good with the people. Um, hmm. I, I just felt like Rob had a bit of it was Rob's first nflpa rookie he and i felt like he got a bit of a fanboy crush on july okay. <laughs> i know it sounds crazy but i'm the balanced
1: measured one. Oh, is that so is that so it must be your uh your tendencies in your career you kind of have to be i'm sure well I, I can say this from a mizzou perspective mizzou's used to losing especially in the sec with football so i don't think he uh I think he's going to be able to handle losing, okay. <laughs> and his his arm is ridiculously good, so you'll have fun with that. Yeah. But uh, Tracy Hackler had a, probably got a treat there. Another another Denver top quarterback. I mean, my goodness, he gets one every year now.
0: So. Yeah, I think that he was probably more excited for. He'll be excited about it retroactively if three years from now it turns out to be a success. Right. Um, but Noah Fant was also there from the Denver Broncos. Okay. He was, A really, like, literally looked like a, looked like, sounded like uh, a young Tony Gonzalez Hmm. between the size, the athleticism, but then also the, um, you know, the professionalism. Very kind to fans, very interactive. Um, You haven't gotten a chance to see this, so my favorite thing is actually on Saturday. Uh, the field day, that's when the rookies go to the field, put on their jerseys for the first time, and do all the promo shots that you see. So, like their rated rookie cards, those aren't photoshopped in their jerseys, those are taken at the NFLPA rookie premiere. Mm-hmm. Um, action shots, like you'll see in some of the other products, if the field has them in their jersey but the field is empty, that's from the NFLPA rookie premiere. So, a lot of the rookie cards look like that. Um, <laughs> That said, the uh, one of the other things they do there, because they've got all these stations that move the players around through, is Panini has one of one blank cards mm-hmm. that have a space on the back to write your name and sign it. And then on the front, they have the players do sketches. So you can actually pull from a Panini pack, uh, generally they're in the promo packs, Father's Day, National,
1: A sketch from the player. Interesting. Okay.
0: Yeah. A one-of-one that was sketched by your favorite player.
1: So is it a stickman?
0: Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I mean, really? Uh, Well, so it started out a couple years ago. That's what they were doing. Now it's gotten so competitive. The guys are posting them on their Instagram. Um, But it's the most fun place to hang out because they're really – Like relaxed and they're sitting down and there's no not on the fan zone. So that was where I got to have some more interactions with some of the guys that work on the panel. And like I said, Noah Fan was one that really impressed me. Uh, In addition to the sheer athleticism of the guy, that's awesome.
1: No kidding. I I think you put out a quick video on that on Saturday and you you made a comment about Daniel Jones that you weren't impressed. Is that, was that you? I think it was you. Yeah.
0: No, I didn't see Daniel Jones throwing it. Okay. The uh, Patriots—they uh, have one of the things they do, really, just to break up the monotony, is they have like a little skills challenge. Okay. Um, that's one of the stations, and the Patriots drafted a quarterback, and uh, he scored lower than some wide receivers on the uh, accuracy. Oh goodness! With no with no guys rushing at him. So. Good luck. Good luck, man. Yeah. And play
1: yeah, exactly, exactly.
0: But well, hey, man. we didn't get on here to just talk about the
1: rookie. No, we didn't. This has been all about you. Come on, we got to start talking about me a little bit. Yeah, no, I'm kidding. Yeah, hey, dude, yeah, tell no, us. Tell me what's yeah. up with you and the hot. Give me the. Give me the 60 second kind of your your foray into the hobby. I mean, you got your fingerprints on a lot of
2: stuff.
0: Yeah. Well, so 60 seconds started off at a Woolsworth in Chicago. Uh, when I was three years old, maybe four years old um, my dad bought me a pack of cards and I pulled an Andre Dawson all-star card and I was already a Chicago Cub fan and it was all history from there.
1: And you thought, uh, you know what, I got to go YouTube this immediately. I, I got to get on YouTube, dad.
0: <laughs> uh, I don't think that we were filming it back then. That was a little while before um, all that happened. But... Um, But yeah, so I was a Cubs fan and collected and uh, the, you know, all through my childhood, I collected, my brother collected, my dad collected, but I always found that, you know, and then we, we all hear, oh, the cards were so much better back when everybody collected, but even though all my friends collected cards, they would throw them in shoe boxes mm-hmm. and they would not like go back and look at them. They would just try to trade and try to cheat in a trade. That was always the way it was. I don't know where we got the sugarcoated idea of our past, but mm-hmm. it was always, how do I take advantage of my friends and get better college? Totally. Um, and I found over time, especially like junior high, I cared more than other people around me. And you know, when you're a kid, you only know 12 or 15 other kids, you know, maybe 30, um, But that's your world. And so I got out of it in high school like so many of us do, which was right when I should have been getting into it. That was the late 90s Jordan insert era. Um, But be that as it may, missed out on all of that fun, and uh, went to college, and then moved to LA. And in LA, you live in a a shoebox, actually. Mm -hmm. You put your cards in a shoebox, you live in one. Um, bounce around a new apartment every time they raise the rent. And so for four or five years, I was kind of a nomad. And then finally my fiance and I moved into this apartment and I realized, hey, we've got a, a little spare cupboard here that we don't have a use for right now because obviously the four kids. Um, and I had gotten maybe four or five random boxes of tops cards mm-hmm. over the last couple of years being a professional. Um and uh so I finally took the cards, I opened them and put the cards back in the packs. That's how little space I have to deal with. Mm-hmm. So I finally went on Amazon and bought like a, a box for probably like six bucks for a you
2: know, normal
0: normal eight hundred count box.
2: Sure.
0: Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh started sorting my cards and I noticed and this is why I'm silly and why true collectors hate me. I noticed that I had two Mark Sanchez rookie cards that were the same exact number but had a different picture of it. And I thought, that's that's strange. What's going on this way? Is there an error? That's a really big error to make, but they don't make errors anymore. And I looked it up and it was this thing called an SP photo variation. Mm-hmm. And this was the off season after they'd made their second national, uh, second uh, AFC championship game. Okay. Uh, 60 seconds you said, right? Sixty. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how much time I have for
1: this story. Oh, keep going. I mean, we're we're already so entrenched in this.
0: <laughs> um so I go and I pay 99 cents on Beckett.com to get pricing for this card, and it turns out that it was Beckett priced at $79. I was like, this is cool. So I listed it, listed it an auction, sell it for $35, and I'm like, well, you know, but I always remember Beckett was, you know, when I was a kid, it was inflated. And, sure. Um And so I sold it for $35, and I thought, this is really cool. And I've got space to store my cards. (laughs) Let's get back into collecting. So I got back into collecting. Um, Thank God I sold that card, and I did. It's still probably one of my biggest wins. um, Because that was the off-season before Sanchez just took a dump, literally, with football. Oh, yeah. Um, And uh, started collecting from there. And then at the time I was also pursuing entertainment full time. Mm-hmm. And so after doing a bunch of different web things, I realized I saw these accounts on Twitter that were like, win my cards, give away my cards. And they have two or three thousand followers. Ironically, um, those accounts I don't see them. I don't know what happened to them they ran out of cards. <laughs> and
1: it's not a sustainable was, business parent.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh wait, what do we do when we run out? But I've been doing these Web shows and comedy things, like little five minute things with friends, and, mm-hmm. um, and sinking money into them. Every single time I did it, it was like a thousand dollars between paying for camera equipment and stuff. Right. Food and That stuff. And I thought, you know what? If I'm spending money on this, and no one's watching it except for my mom and you know the cameraman's mom, what if I could actually do some marketing behind that? And mm-hmm. like, if I did something. Every episode that I did something about cards, open up a box and give away the hits. I might get, you know, instead of two hundred views, I might get like a thousand views, or I might be able to get a you know, a thousand followers. And so I filmed a comedy uh, comedy short
2: mm-hmm.
0: and created a Twitter and amazingly Susan, who's now at top, she was at Beckett at the time,
2: mm-hmm.
0: saw it and she actually wrote an article i uh, online about it. Mm-hmm. And it started getting attention. And then I did the giveaway of the cards from the box and just kept rolling from there. That's sort of how I got to be this guy who talks about it. Uh, people listen to it.
2: I love it. I love it. And it just took it for nine minutes.
1: <laughs> no, it's fun. You know, it's, it's interesting how so many of us can point back to a moment in our grade school, middle school era. Where capitalism came out in us through cards, yeah. through cards as the medium.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, it, it happens all the time with me. People will ask, "Hey, kind of where'd you get started in this?" Just from different businesses that I've been a part of, and it's like I hate to say this; it's going to sound really weird, but baseball cards.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. finding ways to, to rip off the friends. Thing, a big revelation that I had in those high years when I was collecting football cards mm-hmm. was, uh, and it stuck with me to this day. So people may see, I post a lot of stuff about card values and trends and what's going up and what's going down. And I love your site, Breaker Culture, for that exact reason, because I am a nerd for data. Mm -hmm. Um, And I love the way that data and prices reflect humanity and human Mm -hmm. trends and psychology. Mm -hmm. Um, But I am not, at at my core, I am not a flipper. I literally had this realization in 1995 that I am never going to make money opening packs of cards and finding the lottery ticket. You know, we hear about this hundred K Zion Williamson card for, for next year. They'll be in prison. But the law of large numbers, I think so many of us don't realize how freaking big the world is. Sure How impossible. Those hits are, especially because we're inundated with breakers who open 40 cases and show us the three best cards from 40 cases creates a skewed perception of reality. You know, in 1994, 95, I would open $30 worth of cards in a month and you don't pull a single card that's worth more than $3. You're excited if you pull a $5 card. Mm -hmm. And I realized right then that it was a losing proposition and that my own addictive personality needs to always keep it in check in the sense of, this is entertainment.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: this is not something where I'm in it to make money. Uh, and I believe, you know, I'm echoing Sports Card Radio here who says that you know, the way to make money is to sell the swaps. You know, be the, be selling that. I may get fired for saying this, probably from both my jobs. Um, every sports card shop owner I talk to when there's no other customers in there says, yeah, I'm glad that I sell the wax, not open it. Oh, yeah. Every single one. 100% week. of it. Yep. So even though I, I do like the capitalism aspect and I'm fascinated by it and I get a lot of fun and traction out of it, at my core, I mean, I, if you follow me religiously, like I do, um, you'll see that <laughs> it's the last couple things I've opened have been Fairfield repack boxes for fun. So... Yeah, no, I... Alonzo and Vlad, but yeah.
1: I agree. But I think that's contradictory to what we're seeing right now all over the Twitter sphere um, with some friends like Gary Vee who talk about making so much money in cards. Um, So it's tough. Perception is not reality with sports cars, unfortunately.
0: You know what, actually, I would counter you on that because I feel like there's a lot of misinformation being put out about Gary.
1: Yeah, and I've seen uh, your stuff and I, I agree with you. I totally agree. You can clear that up if you'd like. And I wasn't saying that you're sponsoring his. stuff
0: about getting rich off of it than yep. about like, having fun with it and possibly getting money. Mm. Um, and I think that a lot of people misread or can't take or handle he wants. Um, and I specifically like what he says. Well, his biggest thing has always been like, don't buy negative negative bar. And so you kind of know if Gary B posts something, maybe it's too late to buy it. Yep. um, So, anyways, that's where I have a whole lot gone down. Oh, it's early. Yeah. about you, actually? Because do you ever interview yourself on this podcast? (laughs) What's your 60 second story? getting into cards and the 60 second origin of breaker culture also. Yeah. Well, I'll stick to
1: actually 60 seconds because I think a lot of people have heard some of my story, but it's kind of the same, man. I mean, we, we all kind of, I think got into it. This most of us, at least in our little circle got into it about the same time I got out the wrong time, just like you. But I think it's one of those things where nostalgia and opportunity and just the knowledge of the industry brought me back and then you have all this other you have this this other skill set you acquired in college and then in your job that you try to apply to the world of sports cards and i just figured out you know what i do have kind of a unique skill set that could apply to something in in the hobby and so and then I, i i was a group breaker seven years ago did that before it really took off and then i realized oh my gosh there's no transparency in this hobby I got to start a group Breaker Review site to help people understand, like there's a lot of people that aren't so hot you should be spending your money with. And then Breaker Culture, as you know, kind of evolved into this analytics site that I uh, use as a way to put out analytics and help people spend their money a little wiser. So yeah, man, I mean, I, it's, it's, it's a glorified hobby, no doubt, but it's crazy how this hobby has evolved so quickly the last couple of years. Lots of need, there's lots of need for guys like you and guys like me, it's fun
0: yeah but uh, and it's cool and that's what I love about your site is that it's it is unique. provides a unique perspective and it also breaks things down really clearly. So let's say you know, you're buying Bowman and you're a Cubs fan and you don't know the three names in there. And maybe you know one of the things with prospecting in particular is maybe you want to go after the big names maybe you believe that you know, slow and steady, there is growth still there. Mm-hmm. Maybe you really like finding a cheap guy that you can get a lot of for your budget. That's, what's cool about your site is you can actually immediately decipher that. So having to scroll through a bunch of eBay listings, a lot of non-relevant eBay listings, um, you know, and sort of watch how the guys move. Uh, I'm just curious how now that you're, you've been doing it for so long and you're still having to do pricing ladders on products from six months ago, just to keep them updated. You know, how do you find the time to do all that? Yeah, it's tough. I mean,
1: as in any profession, you kind of figure out the ways to optimize to be more efficient. And I think I figured out those little nuances. And I think that's probably why a lot of people don't do what I do because there's it takes some time to figure out how to do things efficiently with all that data. And I love data. You love data. I love data. And when you can tell a story about data, it's really fun. Um, so yeah, it's just, uh, it's rewarding to see people get use out of it. So that's what kind of keeps me mm-hmm. motivated.
0: You know the biggest problem with data is that even though he's a cyborg, they did not like. They don't have them jump series, and it doesn't make any sense. to <laughs> Four hundred years later, he should still be around, actually, right? Like, That's a great that point. Character over and over. Again.
2: <laughs> well
1: done.
0: Well played. Probably, probably because Brent Spiner gained some weight. You can't put the roller.
1: So I'm curious. You, you've met a lot of people in the hobby, and who would you say is? Who's your favorite influencer within the hobby that you've been you've been around, that you've been impressed with?
0: Oh, influencer. Well, so give me some criteria. You need to define
1: (laughs) influencer. Yeah. So let's just say an influencer is someone who has a voice in the hobby. And it doesn't have to be, you know, fifty thousand followers or someone like Gary Vee, but somebody who owns the shop, as a group breaker, um, you've been affiliated with through either through Beckett or through Go GTS, who's someone that's kind of stood out to you that it's really been impressive to you
0: um god that's funny because the criteria goes exactly against all the people I was thinking um
1: <laughs> were you gonna say uh, your mom or something your dad
0: yeah I was gonna say my, my mom definitely and my <laughs> mom who collected uh Ozzie Smith because she liked the Cardinals colors um uh, she influenced you I, was, I suppose I can't argue with that Ozzie Smith is the only Cardinal say, well Willie Will, Will McGee um And Vince Coleman, man, he was good, too. Stop it. How am I opining on the Cardinals right now? What do you
1: do? Um, I'm fine with that. I'm a Royals fan. Um,
0: I guess my biggest thing is that you you should know the good names. You know, Mojo Break, great guys as well as great breakers. Um, The, uh, you know, Ryan Cracknell at Beckett, mm -hmm. great guy. Great hobby enthusiast uh, writes great poems. on uh, Rich Klein, sports collectors daily, like pretty much the big sources of information. You know, I have zero issue with. I think that they're they're really great. Um, I guess that just I tend to want to answer that with under the radar people. Like, who are you not listening to that you should be? Mm-hmm. Um, Give me somebody. Yeah. yeah, let's hear it. Give me someone well, under the radar. So Mike in Vegas mm-hmm. uh, on Twitter at mk9577 uh, is one of my absolute favorites. Uh, he's the guy who told me three years ago to start collecting Michael Chavis. Ch- Chavis mm-hmm. I say that. Um, and I barely listened to him, but I was able to do five Com C flips and turn two dollars into ten dollars. He happened to tell me that right when my kids were being born and I had to start <laughs> buying diapers. Right. Cupboard space was at premium. Yeah. So he's a guy that I really trust for a lot of, like, that's just one off example. Cool. I never go off the phone. One off for someone good, smart, or talented, or having a good eye. Um, but that's just one of men uh, from him. Uh, and then there's people like my, you know, one of my best friends uh, in the hobby, even though we don't talk anywhere near like him, Uh, who I meet every year at the National, incredible guy. I've been collecting since 1984, 85, Um, those back pages on Twitter, and apologies if you're watching on YouTube or listening on the internet. Uh, Just Twitter is where most of my community resides. Um, So there's guys like that that I really respect. And then, you know, honestly, the people I disagree with, I still love them. Mm. They're my favorites. Uh, David Wright uh, who used to be a host of cardboard connection radio mm-hmm. uh, it seems like we always have different opinions but I absolutely love him uh, stale gum Chris Harris one of the first cardboard bloggers yep we collect completely different styles but man I love him and I love his perspective sports card radio it, you know if you, if you have the slightest ear to filter out what you uh, what you know and believe for maybe what's sensational—it's uh, almost like TMZ. Remember when TMZ first came out? They weren't a legitimate news source, but then they started reporting news that other people wouldn't. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, wait, TMZ is actually really credible. Uh, sports card radio and sports card news do a fantastic job of you know bringing information that collectors need to collectors. So. You know, you'll notice at the end of the day, I say everybody fucked. I'm just doing this for fun. And <laughs>
1: if you just said yourself, and- we'd had a serious issue. Yeah. But- yeah.
0: Um, <laughs> I still, I still find it a little crazy that uh, that people listening or people asking for advice nine times out of ten, I say, "Oh, go talk to this person." Um, but yeah, that's good. Those are those are just a few ones. And, and guess what? And you see this uh, on the Twitter page you Ty, oh. Breaker culture is an immense resource sure. being way underutilized. Morons out there, morons, yes collectors, some of you are morons, uh, myself included, but morons that tweet me and say, you hey, which guy should I collect from this? And it's like, I don't know, go to Breaker Culture. and See <laughs> what the odds are of hitting this guy. See who your team has. See who was low and now is high. See who's high now and was low. Don't let heuristic bias get in your way either. I will tell you one other thing, if anybody's prospecting, especially since this is breaker culture, go read about heuristic bias, Mm -hmm. Mm H-E-U-R-I-S-T-I-C, and do a long, hard look in the mirror, and before you buy your next sports card, if you have any, any inkling of wanting to flip it, before you buy it, go read about heuristic bias, and have a big heart to heart with yourself and ask why you're buying that. Is it because of heuristic bias or are there outside reasons and other factors? Because that's the number one thing that people get wrong. And especially with the way that money has been recently, strong economy, strong real estate in most markets, mm-hmm. uh, heuristic bias is at an all time high. And the thing that we all know is things change. They actually say that order leads to chaos um you know the more defined things begin to get the more they begin to unravel and so don't let heuristic biases uh get in the way of making sound decisions 100 percent. yeah
1: love it and for those that are curious short definition heuristic bias at least my understanding of it is basically making a decision ignoring stuff that you don't want to pay attention to right yep. it's very narrow-minded exactly.
0: Yeah, that's the best way to put it. But the biggest problem, and why I say be honest with yourself, is people hear that, and what do they do? Oh, I don't do that. Right. Nobody wants to be told. It's why actually I don't use the word planning anymore, because people don't like planning. We all put our taxes off until the last minute. Um, it doesn't motivate people to action. Well, yep. the heuristic bias is also part of it is, hey, in 2006, I bought a home and then 2008 happened, and I lost that home, real estate is a bad investment. Mm -hmm. And it's ignoring the much larger data, and this always happens with us, and I'm guilty of it too. I just really make a concerted effort in my life to constantly expand my scope beyond what I know. Um, Heuristic bias is the fact that a politician can say something before an election, and then two months later, because there was uh, a disaster in this area, or even just a shortfall in this area, you completely forget the promise that they made and extend their tendency towards that. It's losing sight of everything and all the information involved. It's losing sight of the the guarantees, the promises, the assertions, um, because, hey, this is going really well, so I'm gonna stick with that, instead of knowing that things go up and things go down. there's a shop owner I talked to recently, and I was oddly enough on the side of like, yeah, but some of these things, if there is, if something hits and things go down, a lot of these things will bounce back because of rating scarcity, uh, I mean, if it's manufactured scarcity. Mm-hmm. And he said to me, uh, I apologize for getting the exact year. But it was 2005 or 2006. Exquisite. But I didn't have the frame of reference because I was in my senior year of college collecting so mm-hmm. high high end basketball cards. He said, "Look at those prices," and I looked them up, and there was a John Stockton that sold for 132 bucks. That's pretty good. He's like that same card fetched a thousand in my shop in 2005. Yeah. So even though we have this thought of like, hey, now we're smarter, now we know more. There's grading, there's numbering, there's scarcity. The last time that the card market evaporated, it still has not gotten back to the same levels for ninety percent of the components. more yeah. than really 99% of the top face. Totally. Uh, but the idea that, hey, if I buy high-end, I'm fine. If I, you know, if I only buy big names, I'm fine. The other crazy risk that no one is talking about, this blows my mind when people say things like, you know, even Mike Trout, he's safe. God forbid we let non-heuristic bias in for a minute, and we realize, I'm not saying Mike Trout's not a great guy, but what are the odds that at some point in the next 20 years, some woman may come out with some sort of allegation against them
2: Yep.
0: It completely changes the public's opinion. Heck, 60 years. You know, now things, there was that British guy who was a major, major radio DJ star, hosted that show in the 70s. And it wasn't until after he died that it came out the horrible things that he'd done. But now his legacy is completely tarnished. I believe the charity that was like he left a giant foundation to do good. Um, and they had to like, change the name or disband. Like it's there are so many risks out there beyond just the playing risks that I think a lot of people just feel way too comfortable and the worst, the worst part is a level of success for a certain amount of time that rolls you into a false sense of security.
1: I'm going to stop you, and I'm going to just let the listeners know that you and I approached this podcast today with an understanding that we would not talk about the numbers. But you and I are so inclined <laughs> to this subject that we keep going back to it. And I think we need to have a separate podcast because we were talking about the relation of gold to sports cards because they're both speculative yeah. and you made a comment and I won't steal your thunder but I think it's priceless it's going to be the title of our next podcast but you said something should be worth more than gold
0: <laughs> yeah um, well, to back up where that came from gold and sports cards it is I constantly get asked about the I word mm-hmm. investments who should I invest in And I cannot answer that question because you should not invest in sports cards. Sorry, you cannot invest in sports cards. And my reason is, my personal definition, though I think it should be, hopefully America and the world adopts this. The difference between an investment and speculation is an investment, you own something that can produce revenue. So I own a share of a company. Well, that company is out there working to produce revenue. I own real estate. I can lease that real estate. I can lease the mineral rights. I can do this or do that. If you are buying anything that is a sunk cost and cannot produce revenue, you are simply hoping that the item appreciates, which is speculation,
2: mm-hmm.
0: not investing. Yep. And then you responded with going all the way there. To what most people think of as the, the best the best example of that, which is
2: Gold. Good old yeah. gold. Yeah.
0: Yeah, gold. And I I actually I I chuckled the minute you said that because it hit me in that moment. I had not thought about that before. But that's actually exact proof that what I'm saying is real because I still no I you no one who understands the gold standard. Why is gold valuable? Right. We've already found that there's better transistors out there. There's better battery metals, like all of that. Gold is no longer even the tangible, the few tangible things that it was good for. It's no longer the best of them. It is literally an idea created in the mind of man, whereas technically a chicken has a measurable value because a chicken can produce food. <laughs> But nobody 10,000 years ago would take a rock and trade it for a chicken. Nobody. Somewhere in there, the rock became representative of I've got a cow, you've got a chicken, and we want to trade them, but it's not worth really the same, so give me the chicken and the gold, and I'll use that gold to go buy some cloth. Or, you know, um, the, uh, I forget the name of the money system. I have a buddy who's working to destroy it. It's kind of interesting. Um the uh, the you know the linear the binary money system, right? uh, um,
1: crypto. What are you talking about, crypto?
0: No, 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 not, not exactly. Okay, um, the, the way that money is sure. Uh, I've got a buddy who's trying to create a system where uh, money is no longer the relevant transactor, so much as literally like a social good to score. <laughs> but um, yeah, we'll see. He's a he's a pioneer okay yeah so, so, yeah, so it's, it's a perfect illustration a chicken produces food whether it goes up in value or down and that's more basically valuable to a human than a rock so let's rock. follow
1: your train of thought
0: here yeah go ahead.
1: there's no intrinsic value in gold there's really no intrinsic value in cards there's there's obviously no intrinsic value in cards There's intrinsic value in chickens, so your thought is chickens are therefore more valuable than gold. So we can ultimately deduce here, that's a really scientific word, deduce, that sounded cool. We can deduce that chickens are more valuable than sports cards, and so my next article, my next pricing ladder needs to be about the pricing of different chickens. Is that what I'm hearing?
0: Uh, (laughs) sadly, sadly that is what you're hearing, that's not what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which leads to 100. one of my big issues which was i took a uh, communications course in college i was uh-huh. not a communications major i took one course communications 101 and yet there was something from that that stuck with me for life which is the definition of communication is communication is what's received not what's intended hmm. and i think that that has gotten blown up in our society for sure kind of Lost lost the ability to give credit to intention um, but it's also a valuable lesson because it teaches me hey when you start talking about this stuff uh, be careful because uh, breaker culture is going to go turn into a uh, uh, cracking culture what would you would crack an egg? <laughs> Jeez.
1: Would you break an egg we're gonna stay away from the word crack as a keyword uh, for breaker culture uh,
0: yeah so boil yeah. boiler culture there you go yeah we'll go uh, we'll go poultry. Poultry culture. Poultry culture.
1: <laughs> you know what's sad, Ivan, is that we uh you know, we have six acres here at our house. We have some goats and we have chickens. And Oh, that's tragic. Ooh. Well, what's sad is that within about two weeks of having a chicken I had a a massive crow come down and take one of my first chickens. And then the other four were killed by some foxes three weeks later. So I'm the I'm the last person that should be talking about chickens.
0: This is like I'm literally shocked right now. I was not expecting this turn. Um, Do you have children? Please tell me no.
1: I have six children.
0: Six? Okay. Yeah, because you're worried. (laughs) You need some backups with the way that you manage things. (laughs) Oh wow!
1: (laughs) I love it. You know what? Let's shift topics. Okay. Screw that. You got a few more minutes. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So. Here was the original. (laughs) This is so funny. Here was the original agenda for our conversation today. Uh, I I love I love how you use Twitter. Outside of maybe some of your eBay stuff, which whatever, it's it's cool. Uh, I love how you've maximized your value on Twitter. And I think a lot of people in the hobby could use a little lesson on maybe how social media should be used. So I'd be curious to know kind of your perception of social media and maybe some of the misconceptions about social media that people don't really think about. In other words, Give some words of wisdom to those that are maybe collectors, maybe they're group breakers, on how to properly use social media to help their business.
0: Um. Well, so there's two two questions in there: to help their business or how it should be used for the hobby. Yeah, let's talk about both.
1: I mean, because I mean, they're you're right; they're totally different questions. And that, there's a lot of group breakers that listen. There's a lot of just entrepreneurs that listen to this show, so I'd be curious to know.
0: Well. Okay. Uh... So actually, I was, you know, I always want specificity and direction because it wasn't accurate. Um, but you are right. That's actually where we should begin is the fact that those actually go hand in hand. And you even, you bring up, uh, you know, you said with some disdain, the eBay stuff. And I'm curious what you mean by that. Well, I don't know if you so heard that her. That can inform a bit of what I'm going to talk about.
1: Oh, okay. Well, yeah, it's just, uh, this is totally not a knock specifically on you. but We, we had a conversation probably th- three months ago about folks using Twitter as a way for them to promote their EPN eBay links. And I just I just said it's getting out of hand. Like everyone's doing it now. Yeah. And so but, it, some people when I when I posted that that podcast, people tagged you and saying, Oh, you mean Ivan's?" And I said, No no no, I'm not calling people out, but just FYI there must have been
0: people that I muted a long time ago because I, I don't recall seeing a single one of those <laughs> <That's> um, <nice. laughs> I could be wrong. Maybe I did, but maybe they were just making more tactful. Um, So it's interesting because, first off, I'm going to shoot myself in the foot right now just by talking about it. Um, The funny thing is, the way that it works so he says, when Breaker Culture says VPN, he means affiliate link. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times, if I post a link, if you click on it and then you buy that item, I actually get a small amount of money. Um, I have yet to meet the person who's retired off of it. Um, and I know people with much, much bigger blogs and forums than me and I'm not afraid to talk about it because of the fact that I do think more people should do it. Um, Ironically, I was sharing pricing information on eBay for two years because like I said, I'm fascinated by the data Mm -hmm. and the trends and the dips that are mostly based on heuristic biases. Um, So I was posting sold listings for a long time before I even knew that this existed mm-hmm. and so what's interesting to me is that the content I really really try to make sure that if I'm doing something like that the content still aligns with what my content would be regardless sure um, now within that though I think I mentioned a little bit about my my struggle especially with the kids it literally is what allows me to have a money that my wife will like to spend on eBay on cards, yeah. the, the fact that I'm making you know, a couple hundred here, a couple hundred there, um, this month, next month. So, one, I'm not necessarily afraid of that. Uh, the, the crazy thing for me is, because I do get every once in a while a complaint from somebody, and oftentimes, sadly, a complaint from someone I respect, um, is that because I'm such a dating nerd, I also track everything, and I will post a link to my friend's blog, which is about kids in the hobby or my how I got collecting story, mm-hmm. and it will get no clicks. I post to, oh, I almost cursed, I post to freaking Pepino Man, who is the funniest person in the hobby. The absolute best thing in the hobby right now is Pepino Man's YouTube channel. It is hilarious, it's a break from everything, it is entertaining, uh, and there's great cards on there. And three people clip on
2: it. So true. It does. Yeah.
0: I look at the metrics constantly, and it's sadly the content that people want is they want to know, hey, Cody Bellinger's Bowman Chrome. What is that like at auction right now? I don't have time. It's really nice if there's an aggregated eBay feed, or sorry, an aggregated feed that doesn't shove too much down the Hopefully, right. Um, but like, gives me a few highlights a day. And that's what I try to keep it at is, you know, somewhere between three and seven highlights in a day of things that I either think are interesting or highly relevant. You know, a guy goes off and hits three home runs in minor league baseball. Again, I will post, Buddy Reed hit three home runs in minor league baseball and check and see, and the impressions on that are 100, 200. I post that same post with Buddy Reed's eBay to his Bowman Chrome the impressions are 3,000. Hmm. So it's the information that's getting out there. Now I bring up all mm-hmm. of that. One, because I haven't had a forum to talk about it before, so I really appreciate that. And, you know, I'm ready to be crucified, crucify me. Um, because you were asking about like the melding of the hobby and business. What advice would I have for group breakers? What advice would I have for hobbyists? And it kind of comes together in the same place. It's too many group breakers do not have, let me back that up. I'm biased. I love Twitter. Twitter to me is a community. And this gets back to what I was saying about as a kid, no one else caring as much about cards as me. Yeah. Through Twitter, I met people that care more than me, people that know more than me, people that I can learn from and I love it. Mm-hmm. I mentioned Eric, I mentioned uh, David, I mentioned Chris earlier, yep. all those guys, Mike. Uh, I learn from them. Twitter is a really great tool for a community. What I find when I go to events like the NFL, rookie Wiki premiere, or the national, or even just looking on YouTube, for Pino Man, who I mentioned, he's not on Twitter. Tons of you at the National are not on Twitter. Hmm. So my first thing, uh, when I meet a guy in Target at the retail uh, card kiosk, I say, hey, are you on Twitter? Nine times out of 10, the answer's been no. That's funny. yes. Get on Twitter simply because of the community. Literally, don't follow politics. Don't follow local, don't do any of that. Actually, you should follow local news. You can hear those sirens. Twitter is also the best network for your local fire department, local police department, emergency preparedness. It's incredible. I'm not going to be paid to say no. Um,
1: You're not a Twitter employee?
0: <laughs> no, but it really is. If you talk to a fire chief or a police chief in a district that's using Twitter, it's how they prefer to get information.
1: Out 100%. I totally agree. Yeah.
0: That's it. Follow card accounts. Don't get wrapped up in politics or in that craziness. You know, I know that. sometimes I'll even post something, but like follow card accounts and just become a bigger member of the community for what you can get out of it from other friends. It's crazy. I spend so much time on Twitter because my best friends are on Twitter. Hmm. So, this is specifically about Twitter, what I'm talking about right now, because of that. But Twitter also should recognize how small of a community it is in play versus the larger hardboard collector live right I don't think that a lot of collectors do where are the margins of it still
2: so what is
1: the what is the takeaway then what what is you what are you saying group breakers uh, should be doing differently
0: so if breakers want to tap into the Twitter community mm-hmm. they need to be less spammy and actually just have conversations with people hmm. you can't just post their hits and post links to their breaks they need to get on there and have fun because Twitter is a community like that. Instagram, it might work to just post hits and get people in like that. YouTube obviously has a different dynamic because even though the videos are of you doing your job, you're interacting with people through them. So I'm not a breaker in the sense of I don't actually know the best community for breakers. To sure. break hits. But I do know if you're trying to use Twitter effectively and where you're following, whether you're a breaker or maybe you're just a YouTuber, maybe you're just a podcast, maybe you're just a website or a blog like Breaker Culture, um, the best way is not just to constantly post links to what you do or post every three days what you do. It's to jump in and have some real, honest conversations with people, initiate some conversations, um, show that you can listen, show that you can take criticism. Like I said, one of my favorite things is the people who disagree with me. I love hitting the retweet button when someone disagrees with me slightly. Yep
1: no and, and i love that you do that actually that that's been a lesson for me is just realizing that first off you need to lay your pride aside there's a there's a gentleman named Stephen judd cardboard lifer who has been a,
2: ton, a, a
1: perfect name for him and uh he's out of springfield funny enough another missouri guy but he's been you know he's critiqued a lot of what i've done at, at break the break culture over the years and just recently we've been going back and forth and that I realize how valuable a guy like that is because you need perspective and everything you do. And to get out of the, your, your biases, you have to figure out what the rest of the world actually thinks about content and what the world thinks about your business. So yeah, I, I think that's an amazing point. What would you say then? Um, what, what would you say then are the strategies for hobbyists that, that maybe you've learned over the years with Twitter that, I mean, outside of like, the, the capitalistic mindset and finding ways to, to monetize things. What strategies have you kind of uncovered when it comes to social media? Cause you've had success in YouTube building an audience. You've had success on Twitter.
0: Yeah. Well, I will say the other thing that I see purists revolt against is this idea of their eyes, hands and giveaways <laughs> to get followers. Yep. I do not have an issue with that whatsoever. Go out there. If you want to meet more people, go out there and give away a $30 card and say, literally, keep it this simple. Retweet and follow for a chance to win XYZ. Got a picture of the card up there. Keep it that simple. Grow your audience that way because your audience is your community. Like, if you don't think of them as an audience, if you think of them as a community, sadly, people aren't going to see you unless they have an incentive up front whenever I hear people complain about price house, again, I'm a data nerd. <laughs> so I've seen my audience grow to where my community grow, to where there's almost 10,000 people in it, almost 9,500, depending on where you want to draw lines. And every time I do one of these, and I get 100 or maybe 200 followers, I look and the draw, like people don't unfollow after this. Mm. So I think the prize hound idea is blown way out of proportion. Furthermore, how are you ever gonna turn someone from a prize hound into a member of the community if you don't push them to engage? My mother would always say, back when we had these paper things called letters, you have to write a letter if you wanna get a letter. Hmm. And I believe that's tantamount to community building. Sure. Make a little effort. And the third, the third angle of my weird defensive prize house, which is probably coming out of left field is <laughs> I'm also thankfully been able to use my platform to do some charitable work mm. um, well, that's raising money for some of my followers, five K's for a uh, cause my own five K or one K for kidney. I can't remember, <laughs> be honest. Uh, I think it ended up being a three K walk. Um, And of course, SIGs for Soldiers, Signatures for Soldiers, a cause that's really dear to my heart.
2: Yeah.
0: And one of the craziest things was, I have sold items for way more money than they should have gone for, because there was charity involved, and I've sold them to people that otherwise were price heads, people that don't engage in the community, but guess what? they still paid $60 for a $25 card to go to Signatures for Soldiers. And we know that that was at least $1 more than the next guy was willing to pay. So Hmm. So everybody's a person, remember that. Every account is a person somewhere. I'm not saying all accounts are great, all accounts are great people, but I like to try to err on the side of kindness and forgiveness. I'll be salty every once in a while. None of us are perfect. Uh, But that's my biggest. uh, Thanks thanks for letting me jump on and share some philosophy.
1: No, that's good. Clear up one more thing for me on Twitter. Uh How should we properly use hashtags?
0: Help me understand Um, that. What is the value? Especially on that whole community building thing, when I say conversation. Because some people then, their next thing is to say, okay, so I'm gonna put a conversation starter on put seven hashtags on it. And similarly, that reeks of disingenuousness sometimes. Sure. The flip side is, will anybody see it if I don't use a hashtag? So I can't tell you the definitive answer, but there is a balance, and again, it comes back to looking at yourself in the mirror and saying, you know, sometimes I use a hashtag and will get absolutely no further engagements, but I think it's really funny. Mm-hmm. And I just use the hashtag better than Chad in a conversation uh we group group chat, but it was because it was funny, yep. right? Nobody would actually click on that to see more stuff. But hashtag the hobby, you might get a few more eyeballs from using that. Sure. Hashtag go Cubs go. Well, that might get some non-collector Cubs fan to see my Cubs posts and maybe start joining in and collecting more. Because at the end of the day, that's the most exciting thing. If I get prideful or excited about one thing, it's when somebody has not been a collector and is now collecting because of an interaction they have had with me either on social media or on real life. It's when my friend who's a commercial real estate agent says, hey, I, uh, I went and bought a Warren Moon autographed helmet from that bike guy um, uh, in Colorado because we were talking about memorabilia and I decided I want something from my office. Like, that's what excites me the most is when people get back into collecting all the hobby through an interaction. With me. So, hmm. so that's... Does that answer
1: the question? Yeah, that's good. You know, know, I'll I'll just add, you know, I I think there's some misconceptions about the hashtag usage because I think, I mean, I was never, I didn't ever go to Twitter before and type in a hashtag to look at something. That just wasn't my email. I didn't didn't really find value in that. But over the, I I think with the growing audience and the the more conversational, you you know, mindset around certain topics, now the hobby hashtag, Mm -hmm. typing in the hobby hashtag and just seeing kind of what the trends are, what people are talking about is super valuable for those that are looking for ways to engage. You can quickly just type in a hashtag and just see like what, what are the top 10, two or three things that are popping up here that people care to, to talk about right now. That's where as, as a business, I think you have to kind of understand what the pulse is and that's your way of getting kind of your finger on the pulse, if you will.
0: Oh, so, for sure. Yeah. thing, And, you know, and, and I enjoy, jumping on things like that, and one of the cool things that Twitter's doing now with hashtags is the right trending hashtag will actually have an emoji after it. So sometimes it's just fun to use it because it adds some color to the tweet. Um, But yeah, as a business owner, here's one thing actually. So I say don't be spammy as a breaker, but why are they not jumping on more trends? Why is Vladimir Guerrero Jr. trending because he hits two home runs in a game and the guy who's breaking Bowman isn't trying to get into that larger Twitter thread outside the hobby, but bringing guys in? You know, one of the best at this is, I don't know if you know the website Hero Habit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So there it's a collector who wants to grow the hobby. It has a couple of business angles in there. Uh, But his biggest thing is, what if I provide sports news and along the side, there's this promotion of you know, eBay links, uh, breakers, all of those things, so that people that are sports fans are reminded of the hobby, because there is such a large contingent of sports fans out there, and this is what 3 d is doing. Hey, I love sports, I didn't realize I could go buy a card of a guy that I love, and get his autograph. On. Hmm. You know, like let's take baby steps. Let's welcome in new people through these baby steps of oh, I got to sign Warren Moon helmet. The funny thing is, I love my friend uh, who who did this. He's not even a Oilers fan. He's an SC fan, (laughs) but he loves having a Warren Moon autographed helmet in his office. And I'm like, yeah, we need more of that. The hub. Totally. Yep. I agree. so yeah, there is that little bit of business advice to any breakers that are listening is look at what's trending on Twitter. Because you're right, people don't type in a hashtag to search it. However, people do click on the Twitter Moments,
2: Twitter hmm.
0: Trends, and if you can get in that feed, you can get twenty or thirty new eyeballs. There you go. I will tell you from the, the eBay thing last year, hashtag Otani huge. got me a huge audience that was not there before.
2: Yeah.
1: You're now an icon in Japan. Thanks to that.
0: Uh, well, no, I didn't say that, but just the impressions of Netflix were much bigger. Yeah, I know. I'm just kidding I mean, with you. What it did lead to me doing, actually, one last fun thing. I don't know. We found out too many Ivan rabbit holes. And I really appreciate it.
1: Ivan chicken uh, holes, not rabbit yeah, holes or chicken, chicken.
0: holes. Um, follow Japanese hobby Twitter. It's Unreal, so cool. One, there's Japanese baseball cards out there that are super cool. Um, two, you cannot understand the tweet and the Twitter translation always butchers it. But there's <laughs> nothing cooler than seeing that someone in Japan just pulled a number to five Wander Franco autograph and is as excited about it as the collector over here. Yeah. Like um and there's actually there's collectors from China, there's breakers from China that come to the national every year. and I just love being around them, even though we barely speak the same language, just because it's cool. It's a reminder of how big the hobby is, how much bigger it is than my LCS, how much bigger it is than my my Target. And and yeah, I say this in LA where I've got a lot of those things. Remember, I'm from Omaha, Nebraska. I went to school in Lincoln, Nebraska, where you would have to drive 20 miles across town to get to the LCS, where you know Target or Walmart, I worked at Walmart. Yeah, don't let this whole Beverly Hills zip code Uh, (laughs) fool. We literally live there because it's cheaper with driving and parking to live near where my wife lives. So she can walk. Um, Yeah, like our hobby can get really small if we're only looking at our ten Twitter friends. Yep. If we're only looking at the two shops within sixty miles of us. If we're only looking at the Walmart and the Target. So I love. Knowing the collectors in China, knowing the collectors in Japan, knowing Korean Cardboard, who is an American who lives in Korea, who collects only Korean baseball and Mark Burley. Hmm. And just seeing how much bigger it is. Soccer cards, man. Freaking soccer cards. All
1: right. We're stopping there. I'm not <laughs> allowing it. I'm not allowing soccer to come into this conversation.
0: <laughs> That's where I lost you. <laughs> Um, hey, Todd, are you going to be able to make it to Chicago for the Nationals?
1: I will. I will be there. I don't know what, uh, in what okay. capacity, but uh, but I will be there for sure. I think uh, Shani and I will both be there. We, we might even snag a booth. We might even That'd snag cool. a booth. Yeah. Uh,
0: you know, honestly, though, and um, don't take this the wrong way, I think your company is big enough to merit one. Um, don't Your first time especially, don't go with a it. booth. Oh, so I've been there many times. There. No,
1: no, no, I've been there many times.
0: Oh, you have? Yeah, yeah I've been in Nashville well, many I, times. Yeah. Have you ever introduced yourself to me? Is this, is this going to become the most embarrassing podcast Unbelievable ever? that you would forget that moment.
1: It is. The warm embrace that we had was memorable to me, but no, we haven't met. We haven't met.
0: It's not oh, good. Okay. No. well, then I'm really concerned now about this warm embrace. <laughs> right. <laughs> Side note, Hero Habit Twitter
1: uh, has 999 followers. For the love, somebody go out there and give this guy a thousand follower. Oh, that, that just yeah. annoys me um, I wish I could follow him again But I can't uh, Alright so we gotta wrap this up And we always I have something called rapid fire I got some f- random questions to ask you If you don't know okay. the answer It's all good But okay. just whatever comes to mind You cool? Yep Alright Which beard do you admire the most? Beard Beard
0: does it have to be in the hobby? No, anybody. That was a silly question because it doesn't matter. <laughs> Mustache Mondays, Irving Manera has the best food. He, wait, he's in the hobby, right? And he is in the hobby. Yeah, world. I was going so doesn't, doesn't, doesn't matter. Okay. Uh, I already knew the answer was Irving, but just the way you asked it, uh, I didn't know if you meant he meant not the thing is it's long but long length is not the only merit of measure of a beard it's also how well it suits you where the curls lie uh, <laughs> where the the curls okay all right yeah and Irving's just right now it's perfect the song at the working premiere a couple days ago it's perfect he shaved it before and I'm so glad it's back
1: dude I, I love his and we a couple years ago we wrote a review of his uh the, the artwork for his his breaker business and I loved it. Oh yeah. I loved it. That's Portrayed awesome. his personality perfect. Um all right, your favorite startup company in the last few years. Doesn't have to be in the hobby. None of these are hobby related.
0: Okay. Uh because I was gonna say breaker culture. Oh you sweetheart. <laughs> <laughs> um favorite startup company. Uh I'm trying to think of what I use the most actually would probably be the best way to do that. Yeah. Uh the uh, oh, I'm looking at my phone. You know what I actually love hmm. is, and they just changed the name, and it's a stupid name change. Ebates, which changed the name to Rakuten, which makes no sense because Ebates tells you exactly what the company is. Right. Um, but so with my job being in finance, I also can't ignore things that make a lot of sense. Uh, Ebates literally gives you money back. Essentially, what the, uh, what we talked about with the affiliate linking. Well, if you use their affiliate links, they share that commission back with you. Huh. So okay. essentially, you get half of it. But hey, that's better than none of it. Heck yeah. So like it. You register at Ebates, and I don't know if you have an affiliate link, but you should throw it up on this podcast or on the website because they also pay a hefty referral fee. Um, but that's not why I love them, I didn't really use it. I've already saved, since I discovered it, um, it was a client told me about it back in January, and I've already saved $250 from Amazon, from eBay purchases, from Target purchases, from Kohl's, from Parters. Um So that one to two percent adds up. It definitely makes a difference. Um, especially when you gotta buy new uniforms for your kid's school, you know, you have to buy stuff on Amazon. Can you imagine getting two percent back on everything from Amazon in addition to the five percent already with the Amazon five?
1: No joke. I'm taking notes, man. I like it. Yep. Words of wisdom.
0: So, Beautiful. Um, yeah, that's why I also say like it's it's funny. Um, well, yeah, just uh, so Ebates is good, and actually there was there was a social media essentially a challenger to LinkedIn that tried to do the same thing, and you could actually get currency back. Essentially, they said, hey, look, we are sharing. Our goal is to build up a big enough network that we share your data. But what if we actually paid you a percentage of what we get for sharing that data?
2: Hmm.
0: It was called dot, dot, I-O, okay. I-O. Um But sadly, nobody jumped on it. Trust so it. Like, that's so smart. Can you imagine if Google and Facebook, when you look at that stock price and you see their earnings, well, that's literally your information. There's a very small, tiny platform. Yeah, I'm simplifying it a little bit, but the amount of that that is their creation versus the amount of that that's your information, it's an absurd overbalance. And I hope in the near future that we see somebody bring bring a way to bring that money back what what you're owed for your (laughs) eyeballs.
1: All right, anyway, back to the concept of rapid fire. Um, (laughs) Oh, gosh. Totally get yeah.
0: Go to cereal. Uh, Go to cereal? King vitamin. Don't have it. What? What is that? King vitamin? King vitamin?
1: What, what is this? So, oh, we're talking nice. breakfast cereal.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm talking breakfast cereal
1: too. I, I, can't, I don't even know what you're talking about. King vitamin.
0: All right, well, I'm going to get on Amazon through Ebates. Okay, <laughs> and send it to your house. Okay. Uh, that a year supply. supply. Midwest by.
1: You know, it might not be. Is it? Uh, well, we'll check it out. That'll I'll include that in the show notes for all those who are looking for a new serial yeah. <laughs> What 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 actor plays you in your uh, in your biopic in your movie?
0: Um, mm, mm. Uh, depending on what era of my life that you're covering, Russell Crowe.
1: Beautiful. Okay.
0: Would you yeah, rather you get young Russell Crowe to play young me, or old Fat Russell Crowe to play old fat? Me.
1: <laughs> we just watched uh, like- the next three days again. My wife and I the other uh, day. Such a good movie. I love Russell Crowe. So good. uh Would you rather be punched by Rocky Balboa or kicked by Jean Claude Van Damme?
0: Oh, punched absolutely.
1: Okay. Okay, and then the last question for you: what's uh what's a big goal for your family the rest of 2019? and you guys are trying to accomplish? And
0: sorry, I repeat that one. You muttered
1: a little. Yeah, I do kind of mumble sometimes. What's uh what's a big goal for your family the rest of this year?
0: Uh, the rest of this year survive. <laughs> so they're twins, man. <laughs> they just started preschool. Ooh,
1: you just have two, or do you have more than that?
0: Yeah, two 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 and a half year olds. Okay. So yeah. We do have uh we've got tickets to their first Dodger game. Nice. to so we'll see how that goes. Um they have already been to a Rams game and an AFC game, so they've been to two football games. Uh, so I think they'll be good. But
1: uh yeah. Nice survive. Man, thank you so much. Seriously. Good talking to you. Yeah.
0: Thank you for having me. Um, thanks for letting me answer why to every single, every single question. <laughs>
2: no, I love
1: it. I love it. I think people are gonna people are gonna appreciate the insight that you you offer. You offer a ton on Twitter, and I love following you. I learn a lot from you, so I, I appreciate it. We'll uh,
2: we'll catch up hopefully before the national, but we'll catch up. Okay. All right, brother. Thanks, Tom. See ya. Bye.